What's good, everybody? This is Fraternal Football. I'm Cameron. I'm Zach. Welcome. Episode 43. I'm Cam. I'm Zach. We think it's episode 43. <laughs> we can. And if, and if we're wrong, uh, feel free to angrily correct me in the comments that don't very exist. Ang- or very just contact angrily. us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Angrily. I, uh, hey, I, with the other podcasts, I had someone angrily commented about my eating during the show so <laughs> yeah people will comment he doesn't on eat anything. during this one though guys <laughs> no I, I i i do uh i do partake in in beverages of um alcoholic of variety yeah of alcoholic variety yes um <laughs> today is uh, the only thing that's in the fridge uh Coors light and water so basically double water is what i'm doing so I should uh, grab a beer. Is what you're saying? Yeah, um, yeah. If, if you got some, you know, feel free to crack up. Open all those. So for you, you got bottles, fridge. right? I do. I do. I think you didn't put them in the freezer this time, right? No, that was a mistake. It, for those I, of you not not enlightened, uh, Zach put a bunch of 805s in the freezer. I went over, we took them out, and they uh, foamed all over the carpet. <laughs> it's not football related but fun to share i have a fat tire so oh okay okay yeah let's get it all right we got a we got a little bit of golf but not really um we got some comments on i guess we're gonna cole strange second uh zach enlightened me on on the few tidbits of useful information that perhaps a lot of people are overlooking um and with patriots you know swimming to their own or be to their own drum or whatever have you just doing their own thing um maybe there's some to it and then we also have an interesting conversation on journeyman quarterbacks brought on by the apparent retirement of Ryan Fitzpatrick after 17 NFL seasons. Um, so we're going to break down what, what do we think or what is our individual or maybe even consensus if we come to one uh, criteria for what a journeyman quarterback is um, or at least a, a pretty good one. And then who are some of the better ones um, that have ever existed, at least in recent memory? If, if, if you heard that, that was a ghost uh, slamming yeah. the, the door here. We are haunted in this house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not really. It's just me not securing the door. But anyways, um, any, any comments before we jump in? I will say I know that Brady and Rodgers won the match, although I did not watch a single bit of it. <laughs> You mean uh, Capital One's the match? You know, got to insert sponsor in there. Yeah, you know, you know, <laughs> I went to Top Golf recently. That was probably How'd the extent go? of. It was it was cool. You know, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'd be any better than Josh Allen. You know, but uh, <laughs> had a good part because he kind of needs one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. From what I from what I was told, he he kind of wet the bed. But yeah, oh, they were in there till the, the the very end, and apparently, um, at least from my my very rough understanding, he missed 
uh, the the would be uh, match winner uh, putt, and he got just on the margin of of the hole there. Just, you know, a little metaphor for his football season, <laughs> one might say. But um, I don't know if you. Uh, it, it's worth checking out um, at least some of uh, the pregame show, and I think there's there was a post show after. Uh, if you don't like watching golf shows at all, there are highlights posted um, and just little random news articles because nothing else is going on. Uh, and JJ Watt hosted the, the pregame. I don't know about the postgame. Uh, I tuned out by then, but uh, they had, you know, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers on one side, uh, the, the old guys, uh, and uh, Mahomes and Josh Allen on, on the other side, um, sort of the, the new guard, if you will. Um, and yeah, there were some interesting zingers, uh, one might say, that they went around there. Uh, first and foremost, um, Brady uh, got lost on the first hole. <laughs> and if you if you want to see that, uh, it, it's quite funny. He's uh, he's just zooming on this golf cart, um, and and he's kind of swerving, and he's just going full send. And they're like, "Where are you going?" And he's, he's just like, "I don't know." <laughs> uh, but in the in the pregame, um, there was a little friendly fire. Uh, they they ask questions. Some were serious, some were not. Of course, if you didn't watch the actual show, all you saw was the the not serious variety. Uh, case in point, Mahomes was asked Josh Allen's greatest fear. Uh, what do you think that would be, Zach? Uh, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> You're close. You're close. You want to hear what Kansas it is? City Chiefs. He said, "A coin toss." Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and if you if you look at Josh Allen's face when Mahomes said that, it it, it was very knowing. Like he 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 kind of you know averted his eyes for a moment and, and chuckled and looked down a little bit, and then looked at him like, "Oh yeah, you know, figured that one was coming." <laughs> but uh yeah apparently i don't know where this was held but i guess bill's fans showed up or something like a lot of them because they they introduced yeah uh they introduced josh allen and and you just heard an uproar behind him like like a very loud crowd cheering on apparently only josh allen um and it, it it just seems like i i think uh I saw a comment that was like, you know, if uh, if Josh Allen was, you know, on TV knitting for two hours, um, you know, Ev- P- Bill's Mafia would, would dial in and watch that. <laughs> so, and I, I believe it. it. You know, they're, they're just all in on, on their guy. So, and it's been, you know, since like Jim Kelly, it's been a long time. So it gives them a lot of hope, but it, it was just funny, you know, they, they, they really, were behind him the whole time and uh brady had something to say about that of course uh being a former afc east quarterback himself uh immediately grabbed the mic and uh said yeah uh it's like that in the first quarter of bills games too uh then by the fourth it's it's real quiet 
Oh, ho, ho. <laughs> is that an uh, insult I, to injury? Yeah, I, I'm assuming, uh, you know, not only is everybody apparently cheering and simultaneously bagging on Josh Allen uh, for shortfalls that may or may not be his fault. Uh, but, yeah, I guess uh, a little drag at, at the Bills franchise for um, getting pretty owned by, by Brady for what decade and a half plus well, didn't he win like 16 or some straight games in buffalo or or versus it was, it was something absurd like that yeah definitely isn't it the i get it you know let me check that i i think they set the record if i'm not mistaken um for most consecutive um divisional wins against a single opponent like the patriots versus the bills patriots Bills record consecutive. So I mean, yeah, quite quite a bit of bit of uh, saltiness there, perhaps. Um, wow. Okay. Um, they've won seventy-seven games to the Bills, winning forty-four, and. Yeah, that's okay. Let me see. All time? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Fifteen straight games. <laughs> At home and away. That's almost eight seasons. <laughs> yeah, let me actually double check that. That's um, like seven and a half. Yeah, it's from. Uh, oh, actually, I was looking at like the 80s holy shit okay that 83 to 87 they won was i is that counting right oh no no here you go 03 03 to 010 so yeah that was that was right yeah for like what eight years <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of insane so yeah the, you know brady would know but um then Josh Allen, of course, again awkward laughs with a a knowing expression. Uh, he he knows, but you know that the stakes have evened, if not tipped the other way these days. So it, it always comes back around. These, these things are cyclical, and I'm just waiting for the Raiders to do that to the Chiefs. <laughs> it's gonna be a while. To... Uh, yeah, that's all I had for for that little bit. I just wanted to. I didn't care about the actual match, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I saw those, uh, those little tidbits popping up on my feed and felt the need to share uh, my reaction. Or for those um, who don't pay attention at all to golf. We were just kind of talking about the Patriots, so I guess it's kind of fitting that our next subject is Patriots rookie. Hmm. So Cole Strange. I and Cameron were caught off guard by that pick, and so was a lot of people. Um, Everyone, so of course, them, really. you know, I had to do a little bit of my own research, really form a true opinion, since he's not really a guy I looked at. Um, there's actually quite a lot to like from what I saw. Uh, amazingly, only surrendered 13 total pressures in college, his entire college career. Uh, that is insane. <laughs> like, that's crazy. You know, he surrendered only one sack his entire college career. 
That was the second to last game. And not only that, but Chattanooga actually played at several SEC schools like throughout his years there, uh, namely three pretty damn good front sevens in terms even for the SEC in Kentucky, Tennessee, and South Carolina. Uh, and he did not surrender a single pressure in any of those games. Like, insane. Like, not a they were literally, no, they were, they were trusting him on an island against the SEC opponents, just like they were trusting him on an island against guys like Mercer or whoever else is in their division in the FCS. Like, and he performed. Uh, it's kind of crazy, you know, like, I'm kind of surprised. I know Chattanooga is a really small school. I can't even think of another player that went there that's made an NFL roster. Like that's how small uh, a school that is football wise. But I must say, I'm pretty impressed by just the raw numbers that I see. And his level of competition overall wasn't that great, but it seems like he was just absolutely dominating, which is what you want to see at that level anyway. And you know, I'm not going to say this guy's guaranteed success story in the NFL. I mean, there's no such thing. But mm. the Patriots do have quite a great track record with offensive linemen, not only this past decade, but even the decade prior. They've kind of always do, brought together a good line. I did just line. find something on that. Hmm. Uh, but, of course, I, I don't know about you, but I had Cole Strange, you know, graded as a first-rounder, actually. Really? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I had no clue who he was. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know who he was either. Because <laughs> nobody had him uh, as a first third, or I think even a second. I think he was consensus third round, but uh, may- maybe a late second. But no, I, I, I'm not going to take credit for, for that. I did not. But to your point about the Patriots being among the league's best, there's a statistical chart that I found just now googling it and it is a chart on team draft success weighed by round offensive alignment specifically uh, and it's based on the percentile outcomes for each draft pick it, it is between 2014 and 2021 so the, the previous decade not sure but we do know the, the Logan Mankins and um and, and so on and so forth. Uh, there's other guys not coming to mind, but he, he's probably a Hall of Famer. Um, but Brady always had good linemen. This is apparent. Um, so 2014 to 2021, uh, team sorted by weighted average percentile outcome, like basically whether they work out or not. Um, and then also sorts them by early and late picks. Uh, the Patriots are fourth on this chart. Wow. Fourth. Yeah, oh. with a about right on the dot 70th percentile uh, rate. So I, I'm assuming that means they hit on 70%. Or, or at, at the very least, you can conclude big number success. <laughs> can, I, can I guess the top three? Yeah, yeah, go for it. All right. So number one, I'm going to say is Baltimore. Actually, they are sixth. Or wait, one, two, three, four, seventh. Interesting. 
Okay, okay, just tell me. Uh, Chiefs are number one. All right. With almost 90%, like 85, maybe. I think they're right in the middle here. Last year's draft was a very successful draft for them. I think pretty much all their picks hit last year. Right. Would they pick at least two? They drafted at least two guys, right? And then they won in trade and see one. They drafted at least three starters. Well, they traded for the year prior. Uh, they traded they for Orlando Brown, Humphrey, and they drafted uh, Trey Smith, the other offensive lineman. Trey Smith is he a guard? Uh, I believe he's a tackle. Okay, and then what? They signed someone else. I can't remember. I think the other they guard. Also... Or... Yeah, no, they they had a great. They draft. redid their whole line, yeah, but they they like yeah, basically did what the Bengals are now trying to do. Uh, but yeah, they they were first by. I actually like almost I want to say 10% here so like mm. clear ahead of the pack everyone else is pretty close uh, except for the Texans which are by far 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 the worst <laughs> like the 12th percentile I think here uh, it just has so, the logo and then the bars who the is uh, number two and three uh, the Lions are number two which the Lions you know number two with Ragnow and with um, Penesuo and what they – is it Decker? Who was that left tackle they had for a while? Is it Taylor Decker? Or uh, someone else? I believe so, but – They had a really how, good – What? So my, my thoughts after hearing that first are like, what constitutes a bust in, in that sense? Because the Lions may not have drafted total busts, but they're not drafting great players either. So, I wouldn't consider them number two because there's way yeah. less impactful players being drafted there. Whether or not they're just outright terrible, I think it. I think it's mostly counting uh, from this description. I'm I'm hurriedly reading, uh, like long term starters generally. So if a player just just sticks around, which so even NFL if a player is mediocre and he just sticks. <laughs> I, I suppose so. I mean, if they're really bad, they, we we can ascertain that they would be gone. But not always, but you know. Cameron's not always. And, I mean, good uh, players do also uh, <laughs> typically have a high asking price that they're moved off of, in especially depending on the position. Um, I, it also seems like it's based on performance, but I'm I'm not quite sure just uh, off a quick glance what what that means, but. Um, I think they also take, of course, a new count draft position into that. Probably, I would assume, quite a lot. I am also uh, going to just assume that the creator is a Lions fan. <laughs> perhaps, but it, here, here's one that matches well. The, the Cowboys are third, right mm. behind the Lions. Maybe a percentage point off. So I was going to say it, they were like number five. Yeah, and my, here's another good one. Um, mm. the, the Raiders are 31st. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, yeah, it's it's just been Colton Miller. I mean, we we did have, we did we did not draft Osemele, but we did uh, the other guard who I actually really like, Gabe Jackson. That was probably it. Uh, and then Colton Miller. <laughs> Everyone else so, has been Brandon Parker or or uh, Jermaine Illuminor or to that skill level. <laughs> Yeah, my uh, my initial thoughts on who were the top three 
was Baltimore, Kansas City, and Indy. Mm. But Indy is right behind the, the Eagles, behind the Patriots. So and right mm. above the Ravens. So they're a top ten. It's, yeah. Which also okay. seems to match up quite well. But they have a lot of um they have a lot of lower round picks, I think. Where are they? Where is Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh is, um, let's see, 32, 31, 32, 29, 20, 27, 26, 25, 24, 23, 22, 21, they're 20th. Wow. Because there's never really any bust there. They must just they, move off of guys early. They might. Yeah. There's, they're almost, they're like the 45th percentile. I can't remember the last player. I think Jarvis Jones was the last player that the Steelers drafted that was just outright bad. I think every, almost every single guy, first round at least, has right. been like relatively solid or good. I mean, perhaps I haven't kept up on their line, but the last like truly, really, really good player I, I remember them drafting was, was it Marquise Pouncey? Is that the right Pouncey brother? Or Mike Pouncey? Is that the other one? Uh, I can't remember which one was on. I think, Marquise. I think it was Marquis. I think it was Marquis. I'm gonna go with that. Uh, feel free to angrily correct me again if I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, be- Whoever... the Steelers got the better of the the brothers. Yeah, I'm pretty sh- pretty sure they did. They're both good, yeah. but no, yeah, yeah I, I'm reading great. from. I guess the the gist I'm getting from this is that they're pretty uh pretty hitter hitter miss on good linemen, but uh, the the top teams don't surprise me and. Some of the the bottom teams uh, in order: the Texans, Raiders, Bengals, Dolphins, Chargers, Cardinals. Don't surprise me either. So yeah, uh, the Raiders. The rest of them are pretty close. Surprise me. The I'm Panthers are like are the top. Pretty middle of the pack. Really, I thought we'd be kind of middle of the pack. <laughs> Our They're first ten. round picks are typically okay, but <laughs> past that Rapid. point, we haven't had a lot of luck. They they might they might slide down <laughs> these rankings. <laughs> yeah, because I think Josh Norman was their only really mid to late round pick that was or, truly uh, truly good. It, it, in a might might buoy them uh, to to maintain the top ten position. That would be that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, um, I was listening to a reasons for optimism episode of a podcast earlier and. and strangely not mentioned <laughs> but no that, that offense line you know bottom up you know, it's getting better but no yeah, the Panthers offensive line has a lot of promise yeah I'm hopeful I mean what four four more pressures loud than, than the Raiders I think it was like two 186 or something no 164 it was like uh, I can't remember it was a lot but it was you know yeah you got room to grow I will say, uh, all right, we got way off topic after Chris Strange, but <laughs> we did. But we're in on the Patriots. I we're I'm optimistic on, on him. The Texans. Yeah, we're we're always out on the Texans. You know, we're I, out, I'm also out on knee jerk reactions to, uh, what would you say, non traditional picks. <laughs> You know, and if you think about it, most of the non-traditional picks have worked out over the last couple of years. I mean, usually when a guy's drafted highly from a small school, he's pretty good. Just yeah, something I, to keep note. 
<laughs> I mean, I think everyone freaks out. Like, they okay, Ted Karras, their left guard, um, Bengals poached him. Uh, Shaq Mason traded to Tampa, uh, which I for, kind of, I didn't realize he went there. That's great for them because they lost the guy. Um, actually lost both their guards, but um, I think everyone kind of freaked out. He went only for like a fifth round, basically peanuts in, in layman's terms. Um, and then they just went and apparently reached for Cole Strange is what every draft pundit immediately uh, tweeted out. <laughs> but, okay, I Bill misses on some things. And if we're talking about wide receivers, that's very valid. But with just these kind of roster moves, you kind of – it almost seems like he has a little gleam in his eye, you know. He's got a little plan in place. And I don't think they're, for the most part, they haven't been as apparently catastrophic as everyone thinks they will be initially. I, it, it's not the cleanest comparison, but um, if you watched, I think it was a, maybe the first episode of uh, Man in the Arena when they traded – Dang it. Who was their safety? <laughs> they traded that guy to the Bills. Andrew Bledsoe. Uh, or was it Harrison? No, it was before him. They got him after. Uh, I don't know. Sure. Let me look. <laughs> but everyone freaked out about that. And they're like, wow, he just doesn't know what he's doing. It, he was like, if I'm not mistaken, like a borderline Hall of Fame type player, like a really good player. Um, but everyone, you know, freaked out and said, Bill Belichick doesn't know what he's doing. And lawyer Malloy, lawyer Malloy, lawyer Malloy, lawyer Malloy, they traded him before the first Super Bowl victory, uh, or the second, I think it was first one. <laughs> I got to rewatch those. It's been a while. There's a lot going on. Um, yeah, everyone's like, oh, my God, you trade Laurie Malloy. He's, like, the best safety in the league. How could you do that? It makes no sense. And then, lo and behold, they go and win Super Bowl anyway. So, you know, just if someone's going to make these weird roster decisions and, you know, what Zach pointed out with Cole Strange's track record seems promising uh, at face value. So, you know, trust Bill. Yeah, you know. I mean, I think there was genuine interest in him. Uh, I saw a clip of Sean McVay, I'm assuming, was talking to their GM. I'm not really sure what their GM looks like. But um, <laughs> they were talking like, wow, Cole Strange. And people kind of memed that into like, wow, they were thinking Cole Strange sucks, blah, blah, blah. But I kind of took it a different way. I think they were genuine, like, oh, we thought we could actually get this guy later, and that's how the Rams kind of operate. So they thought this was possibly one of the guys we're going to take with one of our first picks, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, numbers don't lie. That's all I got to say. Numbers don't lie. You know, every, every person commenting and, and, you know, bashing on the Patriots can do what they want, but, you know, numbers, the numbers do not lie. Yeah. Uh, with that, there's uh, a number Cameron and I were discussing ties in with the uh, journeyman quarterback. 
we, a number. Yeah, a number. The number was how many teams before we consider a guy a journeyman? Oh, it's part of our criteria, huh? Yes. Because I, I don't uh, know if there's an actual definition. Perhaps perhaps there are some out there. But we, we thought we felt it necessary to establish that. It's definitely subjective, of course. Like all rankings and, you know. But Cameron brought up a fair point. Would you like to share? Oh, it, it, is this us coming to some consensus? <laughs> yes, earlier. Okay. Um, we were talking because, uh, you know, saw the word spreading around the, uh, the internet um, that fits magic, otherwise known as Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, to you who don't know all the cool nicknames out there. Um, was retiring after almost two full decades <laughs> and I don't know what, nine teams? <laughs> I, I'll count that in a minute, but uh, you know, gave, brought us to a discussion of, okay, who's if he's perhaps the greatest journeyman quarterback or, or one of the better ones um, of all time, then what even is a journeyman? And how many teams you have to be on? Um, I don't know if you, maybe how many seasons you have to play. Uh, do you have to be relatively good, or can you just can you just be a bench sitter? Um, there's a lot of variables. That, yeah, there's a lot of variables, but I think most importantly, you know, journeyman means that you're moving around, and so number of teams uh, probably matters the most in that equation. Uh, with that being said, I, I think that it, at least three different teams at the bare minimum is, is enough. Uh, assuming you move off of the team or the team moves off of you, whoever drafted you, you go somewhere else. And then you go from that second place and you make a, a third move. Um, that, that seems sufficient. And my sort of recent case in point uh, would be Marcus Mariota, being that he he did start for a good while on the Titans, so he played some meaningful games. I think that enters into the equation. Can't just never play, um, otherwise you're not really notable. But started for the Titans for a while, got moved off, went to the Raiders as backup, flashed here and there, um, and then now is gonna or is likely to start for the Falcons. So that that's sort of my baseline. Uh, currently yeah i i think uh karen made up a good point when we were talking about this earlier and he said if your team that drafted you moves off you and you go to another team and that team moves off of you at that point if you're getting starting reps on another team you're probably in the line of a journeyman quarterback and i think that's kind of fair you know i should say teams move off you that you don't have to start each team, but like at least play some snaps and then start on some of the teams. <laughs> like two out of three. Yeah, you, you can't just be a bench player. I mean, there's several guys who play for many, many teams and just never even see action. Yeah. AKA Charlie Whitehurst or Chase Jan- Daniels. Jesus. Yeah. Could he Those have the best saw... hair out of every journeyman? 
I mean, just just look at look at those those luscious locks that he had. Those luscious locks. (laughs) It's insane. It's stupid. Um, but there's a lot of guys like that, especially over the course of the NFL. We're talking about guys who actually see the field, play. Maybe they're like always a bridge quarterback, like a Teddy Bridgewater, who I would at this point say, now on the Dolphins, he's a journeyman quarterback. He's Uh, been invested, yeah. Yeah, the dude has gone from the Vikings to the Jets to the Saints to the Panthers to the Broncos and now to the Dolphins. He's already kind of carving out that career. Uh, I kind of likened him to Ryan Fitzpatrick a while back, and you know, it's only he's only solidifying that. <laughs> I, but uh, it, you know, with Ryan Fitzpatrick leaving. Of course, he's a guy who even late into his 30s was still getting opportunities on one-year deals with teams to actually play. And there's not a lot of guys like that. So Cameron and I were discussing um, what were some of the greatest journeyman quarterbacks that some of you may or may not know were on several teams throughout their careers. Cameron uh, brought up a former MVP. One of our favorite players. All right. Be like- Before we talk about a about a good one, I I, I just wanted to, to throw it out there that I think um, Mitch Trubisky is quickly becoming that, <laughs> or or maybe depending on this year's performance, and could be like Teddy Bridgewater is a perpetual bridge <laughs> in a hurry, <laughs> but possibly. Um, we're talking. We're now talking about the uh, the MVP one. Mm. Yeah, uh, let's lead off with the greatest accolade. Okay. Yeah. The I, I'm assuming the, I'm assuming Benny Testa didn't win an MVP. So no. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe he should have for playing from 1987 to 2007. Uh, just for that, the the whole time. Um, but the the one that did. That, that I will mention is uh, one former Oakland Raiders quarterback uh, who was also on the Vikings, drafted by the Vikings, in fact, uh, in 1987, played till 2004, uh, also started four games disastrously, apparently, for Washington, and a little bit of Kansas City. So that's what, one, two, three, four teams. That fits our criteria. <laughs> he, he, he did start uh, at least a handful of games in what looks to be close to 10 seasons. I'm not going to actually count it out. Uh, that would be one Rich Gannon, for those of you taking notes at home. <laughs> uh, passed from 28,000 yards, 180 touchdowns. But in 2002... Yes, 2002, because there's a little asterisk and a plus mark next to it. And uh, multiple statistical categories highlighted because he led the league in those. Um, He won an MVP for the Raiders who went on the Super Bowl, and we won't talk about how that ended. But he led the league in completions, attempts, and yards. Um, The the switch just really apparently clicked for him out of nowhere. you know, one major late bloomer. Yeah, the the late bloomer. 
perhaps that could be a another archetype arc. yeah yeah that, exactly archetype there you go uh for those of you who need a little vocab injection um <laughs> yeah maybe it was mark Tressman, qb guru who we forgot who's i think maybe still still in cfl um maybe it's just rich gannon discovering that he's not a safety or what was the other position <laughs> the safety, oh uh, uh, running back yeah coming to the back. league teams want to try out at skill positions <laughs> would you say he was like the the pre jalen hurts ish yeah he was he's basically coming into the league teams like the patriots i think team drafted him I, I believe it was Patriots. They wanted him to play either running back or safety. And then when he went to the Vikings, they also were like inclined to kind of ask him to play another position than quarterback. It was kind of the pre-modern age Jalen Hurts or the transition Hurts, if you will. <laughs> it, here's a fun one for you. Um, he was drafted in 1987. Uh, of course, can you guess when his first uh, winning season was? Or actually, no, never mind. Uh, was it 97 with the Raiders? Okay, first season winning more than 10 <laughs> games. Uh, 98, the year we were born. Close, sort of. Ah, 99? 2000. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. Dang it. Uh, I was going to say winning record, but he went 8-4 and four in 1992 for Minnesota. Uh, but, I mean, 8-4 yeah, is not the same as 12-4. and four. He posted in 2000. That's a full season. So, And uh, the first time over 10 wins for his fourth team, the, the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. Um, there's another guy. Uh, Many may not really remember at this point. I know it's it's been since 2007 since this guy played. Cameron kind of alerted him earlier. Finney Testaverde, another mm. journeyman quarterback who shouldn't be forgotten, a guy who even played in his 40s. I don't know how many games he actually played as a 40-year-old, but he did. He's one of the oldest quarterbacks to start a game in NFL history. Or in the history of the NFL. Um, I think he had the record drafted, at some point. Yeah, a guy who was drafted to Tampa Bay in the middle of them being the worst team probably in sports history at that point, uh, let alone just football. <laughs> and he struggled a lot leading to him moving to several teams. I know most notably he played for the Jets and was relatively solid. I know he had a couple of good years there. Um, you know, Pete, with Pete Carroll as his head coach, I believe, in New York. Was it really? I think so. Was that before USC? Ah, uh, yeah. Mm, Pete Carroll. USC and then Seattle? Is that that I believe... He was on the Pats, Jets. He he kind of was in the AFC East division for a while, I believe, before USC. I'm not sure where he was finally before he left for college. But Vinny is another name that shouldn't be forgotten. Vinny Testaverde. He, he played in 233 games. 
Yeah, insane. And threw for 46,000 yards and 275 touchdowns. And three separate decades. I know at some points he used to be in the top 10 for passing yards. Of course, you know, with the modern day, several guys have eclipsed him since, uh, namely like Philip Rivers, Eli, all those guys, uh, Ben. Um, but, you know, at one point at the start of the 2010s, Vinny Testaverde was still in the top 10 for passing yards, which I think is pretty notable, being a notable journeyman quarterback. Um, just goes to show you there's a lot of guys out there that, you know, that really embody that journeyman attitude and stuck around. Uh, there's another guy, Josh McCown. I know Cameron and I kind of debated on whether or not how good he was or if he should be really like a top journeyman quarterback, but at the end of the day, a dude played for like something like nine teams, nine, maybe even double digits. I know he's close to Fitzpatrick in the amount of teams. I'm going to count that and, in a second, but I just wanted to say that, um, unfortunately, Benny Testaverde did have to wait eight years before his first winning season. <laughs> <laughs> was was that and with I'll, the Jets? Um, it is with, crap, where was it? Cleveland. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Uh, in 1994, and then he only had four winning seasons. One was with the Jets in 1998, and yeah, four seasons out of uh, I don't know, like like 20 something. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you were saying about Josh McCown. So, Josh McCown. Um. Oh, also. Uh, Carroll was on the Jets in 94, so I don't think he was uh, – Vinny was there yet, quite yet. He he was on the – he was a Patriots head coach at that time. Okay. Oh, and Josh McCown played for nine teams, yeah. Nine teams. The more the yeah. most was at four years with Arizona. Uh, he was another guy people kind of considered a, a late bloomer. I know he got a tiny bit of playing time early in Arizona like when he was first drafted um but it was only like a tiny bit um they had line art coming in as a high draft pick and then kurt warner um but he kind of was just a journeyman backup kind of akin to a chase daniels for a long time until midway through the 2010s jay cutler decided he didn't want to play good football for not even two snaps at a time <laughs> and the bears were forced to play josh mccown remember when we thought he was pretty good for a moment like i'm looking right here in 2013 that sounds about right he he only started five games mind you but he went three and 11 two, to modest, one right? 13 to one oh touchdown interception ratio <laughs> what the heck but that like catapulted him into everyone's like consciousness <laughs> And then uh, a few mediocre seasons of Tampa later. <laughs> yeah, uh, 11 to 14. Uh, he did go 12 to 4 in Cleveland, but uh, won one out of eight games. I think they I were just say, really uh, bad. <clears throat> his last, like, final starting gig with the Jets, he, he was pretty solid. I know he did play that one off game for the Eagles in the playoffs, but at that point. 
Yeah, no, like with the Jets, like he was relatively solid. I mean, he was not the reason they were a terrible team that year. In 2017, <laughs> he went 5-8, and eight, uh, threw for almost 3,000 yards, 18 touchdowns, 9 picks. Yeah. Like relatively solid, 2-1 to one touchdown interception ratio. 67% um, completion percentage, probably actually well above average, probably near the top of the league. Yeah. Like – a guy like that sticks around in the league and he might be under the radar for even most of his career. But we remember at the end of the day, hey, he was on my team for a little bit. Hey, he was on my team for a little bit. He was on your team for a little bit, two years. He was. He was, he was also on my team. On your bit. team. Yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> One year. One year. He was he on your team when they had Randy Moss, I believe. Um, two, right? Was that 2007? No, the year after that. Ah, uh, he, he was traded to the Patriots in 06, 07, right? I think so, yeah. The year uh-huh. were, uh, because they went to the Super Bowl in, in 06. Oh, then maybe it might have been. You know what? Let me let me double check that for you. Let's look up Josh McCown Raiders and see if we see Randy Moss in the picture. <laughs> Uh, Randy Jean Moss. I didn't know that's his middle name. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, the year the year after. Ah, uh, yeah. McCown came in 07, 06, and 05. Uh, he was with the Raiders. So, so he uh, did play he, with Moss. What could have been? What could have he been? He did play Maybe with Moss. We... What do you mean? No, he came, he came the year after Moss left. You said 07, 07. 07 was when McCown was on the Raiders. Uh, Moss left in, after 06. So 07. Uh, uh, okay, I misunderstood. Dang it. But I mean, you know, we could have had, we could have had not only top tier Josh McCown, but second tier Randy Moss or third tier Randy Moss even uh, behind the Patriots. Probably the worst version of Randy Moss. But actually, I think he about said as much in the, in the, Man in the arena episode, he was like, Yeah, it was my worst, you know, part of my career in Oakland. I was like, Oh, that's not great. <laughs> but yeah, we, we could, you know, maybe we would have had an elite offense there in the league. You know, we'll you never know. I mean, know. We'll never know because he wasn't there, but you know, you know <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. McCown in the elite yeah. offense might not, uh, ever you know, he, he has Randy sense. Moss. You saw what he did with Tom, Tom Brady. I did see what he did with Austin Jeffrey for five games. For some reason, when I think about his little run with the Bears, I think he was like undefeated or three and two is really not that impressive. Yeah, I really <laughs> thought it was more than that, to be honest with you. Yeah. It said he played. I did remember. Game. I did remember the one interception. Uh, I just thought he only threw 11 touchdowns, but 13 to one is, I mean, obviously Stellar. pretty good. You, you think know? he just killed it at practice all the time? And then he did showed a little bit in these games here and there, and they're like, yeah, we got to have that guy. <laughs> Maybe I do think uh, when there's not a lot of film on you, especially if you've been basically dormant third stringer most of your career, teams just don't know what to expect, and they play really soft, especially in coverage, uh, because they don't want to just get burned over the top and not be ready for it, you know, because they think the guy that they're uh, going at is inexperienced, you know. 
Um, I think that has a lot to do with it. Like when you're relatively new, you get a lot of softballs in coverage. Um, he did. We uh, saw... he, he did not start more than um, actually. He didn't start a game after leaving the Raiders. No seven until uh, his the two Bears. starts in 2011. Yeah, with the Bears. So you were right. Um, yeah, I think it's just it's mostly that probably when there's not a lot of film on guys, kind of hard, hard to prepare for them. Even if they're not the most like dynamic athlete, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, notable. So those those four guys were kind of the main guys we talked about. Uh, I was we gonna might say uh, the inverse of uh, the longer backups in, they get exposed as the longer they're not in, the more opportunity you get for a short while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. I do have Ryan Fitzpatrick stuff pulled up if you want to eyeball with that. Yeah. Or ear, earful at that. <laughs> um, he did play in 166 games, uh, 34,000 yards, almost 35, 223 touchdowns. Um, you know, comparable to Vinny Testverdi numbers, just a little less there. Um, and then, yeah, um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams. It's got to be, it ties McCown, right? It's got to be a record almost. Uh, longest is four years at Buffalo, where for a second, even though they were going six and 10, people were like, oh, maybe he's pretty good. <laughs> Long term future. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, 23 to four. Or actually, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was looking at his, uh, in 2011, he had 23, 23 inter- to 20. interceptions. Oh, uh, yeah. No, his 24 touchdowns to 23 interceptions, and his interception percentage was 4%, which is actually pretty high. <laughs> but he led the league that, that year. Really yeah. Oh, it's or, a little highlighted stat there. <laughs> It is a little highlighted. His only highlighted stat there. He did throw actually, 35 uh, touchdowns with the Jets, though, right? One year? Uh, 2016? Oh, oh. 31. Or 15. 2015? 15. 15. 31. Yeah. Almost 4,000 yards. with uh, Eric Decker and uh, Brandon Marshall's last legs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can go on a whole thing with Brandon Marshall because he was pretty good for a long while, but uh, and for a minute, he was one of my best fantasy receivers but, but while on the Bears. But, um, yeah, Fitzpatrick. I think we'll, not only will we remember him for the beard and for his weird spurts of just winning a few stretches of games here and there before, what wasn't he like always the guy who won like the first like three out of four games every year and then seem to and then we're like oh it was pretty good and then and then fell off completely after that yeah that's the fitz magic versus the fitz tragic you know one yeah. one week it'll be four touchdowns the other it'll be six interceptions yeah <laughs> it, i mean you know we'll, we'll remember those first quarters of seasons vividly so we'll forget the rest <laughs> but it, it, i unfortunately for me, the first comment 
uh, underneath his retirement post were the news breaking of his retirement, not his personal post, um, was uh, his miraculous throw versus the Raiders, what, a couple of years back, where he was getting face masked and then yeeted the ball down the field uh, for a toe tap that eventually set up a game-winning field goal to win by a point. <laughs> And uh, dash our playoff hopes yet again, <laughs> uh, or improvement hopes. But yeah, it's it's pretty iconic, dude. Or or that time with Tampa Bay, you know, can't forget the press conference. He had the the chain. Remember that with the sunglasses, the chain, and the, the beard and the the suit. Yeah. Oh, with Tampa. Yeah. The dude is okay, okay. If he's not the greatest journeyman, he's the greatest journeyman with the most character, like combination. That's uh, had to, to throw that out there. But yeah, that's all I got on on Fitz Magic. Appreciate all the all the great journeymen's out there, and I I, I did get that text. Act, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so the um, but it was uh, listeners. <laughs> Um, yeah, those are the four guys we just wanted to highlight, you know, especially with Fitzpatrick retiring, pro- probably the greatest journeyman quarterback simply just from the number of teams and how entertaining he was. Um, yeah. but yeah, he will be remembered fondly for sure. Oh, wait, real quick, wasn't there that also was it the Jets? Was it Nick Mangold that time that put his helmet like half on his head and ran up to him when he was doing an interview and scared him? Oh, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he must have the best locker rooms, but yeah, we're, worth worth highlighting. Yeah, if you <laughs> haven't seen that, check it out. Uh, yeah, that's our and, uh, journeyman uh, discussion there. Oh, yeah. And, and with that, guys, you know, uh, unless there's any last minute quips, oh, just um, Madden cover released. Uh, it is John Madigan. I think they reused the cover from the past, maybe, and remastered it, but pretty cool homage. I think I used that right. Uh, yeah, to no, the, the past legend. Um, check out his documentary if you haven't seen it, Old Madden. It's on ESPN Plus. Uh, but Madden cover, uh, hopefully they honor his legacy with a you know competent game. So That's a nice and, way uh, to With that, guys, we'll catch you next week. Deuces. Check us out on Instagram at Fraternal Football Podcast. Twitter coming soon. We're getting a social media presence going. Also, we are on like eight different podcasting services, including Spotify, which you're most likely listening to. Apple Podcasts now, Stitcher, uh, like five more. Check us out on a variety. Uh, We got stickers everywhere. Slide into our DMs on social media. Engage. Maybe you want to be on the show. Let us know. We're out there and we're available. Also, if you like the content you hear in this podcast, go ahead and leave us a five-star rating on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. If there's ability to rate, go ahead and give us all those stars. We appreciate you for it.
This episode is brought to you by HowToPest. Go to howtopest.com for your pest control needs. They're absolutely crushing it. What are you waiting for? This has been Fraternal Football. Cam and Zach signing off.